The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Alice Walker We are full of weakness and errors. Let us pardon each other for our follies. It is the first law of nature. Voltaire Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. Albert Einstein I am no bird, and no net ensnares me. I am a free human being with an independent will. Charlotte Bronte Right, well I'm off. Oh, you don't want to watch a movie or, or play some pauper? I think there's a new game night we could watch. No, no, no. I'm going to go to the gym. Got to get that summer bod, you know? Oh, I, I can come to the gym. I, I haven't been yet today. Oh, I'd rather just go on my own, you know, so I can have my headphones in. But and... I, I could spot you. Or, or how much are you bench pressing? I'm about 80 kilos. You could bench press me instead. Or, or if you're doing squats, I, I could be your weighted backpack. Like Yoda. Well, this is weird. I'm going to go now. Oh, no, James. Oh, I'll see you later. Well, now that he's gone, I'm going to put soup in his shoes. I'm so glad we don't live together anymore. Is there, is there, <laughs> you get to keep dry socks yeah, now across I'm the... Just so glad it's not like, you know, lentil broth just pouring <laughs> out of my sandals. It's probably better that I'm vegan so you don't have like... like not chicken bone. noodle yeah. soup or something like that, yeah. Uh, welcome to the Get Commanded podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. Now, before we get to the blinking green light, I do have an update for oh, our yeah. listeners. Um, not long ago, you would have heard the After Hours recording of Walt and James uh, informing you guys that there was a wonderful fundraiser for our community judge and very good friend, Ellie. Mm-hmm. That has happened now. Yeah. Um... And it went amazing. Uh, A lot of you guys showed up uh, and put in a lot of money, which was incredible. I'm very happy to report that there was over $5,000 raised from individuals buying cards from Ali. Awesome. Over that weekend. And that's all going to her gender-affirming care. All all of it's going to the gender-affirming care, the surgery that she needs. There was a goal of $10,000, which I know $5,000 is halfway there, but... Shout out Plenty of Games, the game store in the city that we hosted this event at, because they bought $2,000 worth of cards. That's on top of the five grand that individuals spent. Super generous of them to have done that and and really cool of them to step up and go like, yeah, not only are we going to host this, we're going to like chip in. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's more to go. She still has some cards left. Um, There is actually going to be an online auction Buy a Facebook page slash group. Um, What I'm going to recommend you guys do is follow us on our socials, because when that goes live, we'll be tweeting about it. We'll be putting it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. We'll be sharing it on Discord. So head down to the show notes, follow us on all the things and join our community groups, because I know for a fact there is a Lion's Eye Diamond still to be sold. Um, I believe there's an Academy Rector. There is, oh, a original foil Chrome Mox from Mirrodin, uh, which is like 
money. Yeah, big um, money. So, yeah, there's like some really incredible cards left to go. And if you want to get any of those incredible cards and support Ellie, there is really no better excuse to spend a bunch of money because, like we said, all of this money is going to gender-affirming surgery for Ellie, and we couldn't be prouder of what Ellie's doing here. No, it's huge. Absolutely. Um, it's incredible that the amount of support that everyone showed and is continuing to, to show mm. to the thing, and um, I'm just, yeah, I'm really glad that we we helped out in a, the little way that we could by shouting it out, and um, hopefully that, that's resulted in some of that money, mm. you know, of people coming, going along. It's a, it's a really important thing. And I now own a reserve list card, which yeah, is just awesome. The Wheel of Fortune is in the deck. Yeah, it's and I've resolved it for a game win as well, which oh, is really nice. satisfying. Very cool. Um, I managed to resolve it to kill... Um, basically, I had Niv-Mizzet on field. Mm-hmm. I managed to resolve it to kill an Obnixilus that was, like, very about to combo with Walking Ballista. Sure. And... Yeah, just managed to draw the right set of cards to get the game win right then and there. Oh, that's hype. Well, we do actually have, um, these are not in the script, but there's a couple of other updates I wouldn't mind shouting out before we get to the transmission. Oh my god, well, we're going off script. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. <laughs> um, a lot of you may have seen because we kind of pumped it out on our socials recently, but we were featured on Palms Off Gaming's podcast. So true, yes. The, the podcast, as they call it. Um, it's uploaded on YouTube and across a bunch of other platforms mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're the most recent episode. They they sat down with us. Um, it ended up coming to about an hour and ten, but we spoke for about two hours plus. We were there for about three hours, yeah. just hanging out with palms off and looking at their products and looking at upcoming stuff, yeah. which is really exciting from them. Definitely. But also, like, yeah, a really good... Um, we gave a really good rundown of basically how the podcast started and, and what our focuses were moving into the podcast and why we do what we do. So, yeah, if, if you ever want to know a bit more about sort of who Walt and James the people are yeah. and, and why we do what we do, I'd highly recommend checking that out. We'll chuck that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, this one's not out at the time of recording this, but it will be by the time this episode comes out oh um, yes if some of you may remember from way back now or probably d- about 20 episodes ago i did an episode or you know led an episode with the space commanders of course uh and me i was yeah there. you were there <laughs> but you know this was a a, a a bullying walt episode i guess is what i'm saying there's like a sub-series of those happening now um where i did the great freeze where mm. i didn't edit my decks for an extended period of time to see what it would do to how i play magic and and how i'd feel and that kind of thing Um, as part of that episode, some of you may remember, I introduced this idea of architects and tinkerers. Mm. And I sort of talked about how I am probably a tinkerer and James is probably an architect. And it was specifically about basically what happens with decks after they get built. Yeah. Um, I won't go into any more detail because I've written an article. Um, it's going to be part of a series of articles, about four articles in total, uh, as for Commander's Herald. Yeah. Um, where I do a full breakdown of, of basically that concept of architects and tinkerers. And I'm going to be doing some um, deep dives on architects and on tinkerers and then a bit of a comparison of both. But the first article in that series is now out on Commander's Herald as of the time that you're listening to this episode. We'll link that in the show notes as well. But go yeah. and have a read. It's um, a good experience for me to flex some of those academic muscles I had from from studying at uni before we started this podcast and um, it was cool to expand on some of the ideas that we've talked about in the podcast before. It's a great article. And if you if you want to get like inside Walt's brain, uh, this article is a really, really good one to read because he like really, really clearly defines what he believes 
an architect is and a tinker is as two archetypes and really calls me out as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great read. Go go have a look. Yeah, for sure. But we do have that green blinking light. It's uh, We've been gas bagging on for too long, I say. So let's get to that incoming transmission. Let's do it. From the deep depths of the galaxy, from the space commanders. It's time to get commanded. We require another instalment in your ponderings on the human philosophies of the colours of Magic the Gathering. Your focus will be black. What does it want? At what lengths will it go to achieve its desires? And of course, when playing Commander, what human emotions does it conjure if you are playing within its colour identity? This weirdo again. Yeah. <laughs> the other space commander. It's very distinct, different voice. It's true. And a, and a very different set of concerns about uh, commander. Yeah. Well, this is the f- kind of the fourth one we've received mm. of this type where this space commander, for those who don't know, is very interested in color um, and has the previous episodes that we've, we've looked at this have been, um, we started with the philosophy of color, just like why the colors in magic have meaning yep. and what they mean. Yep, exactly. A, a real deep dive on the concept of that and the development of that. And then we've subsequently done, we're moving through the color pie. It seems based Going on around what the space commanders are doing. We've done white, we've done blue. So it's time for black. Black. Well, this is like the in-between of like my color identity. So I'm, mm. I'm really excited to to kind of explain why this sits kind of perfectly in the middle and, and explore these ideas. But yeah, I mean, you're you're sort of our resident color expert, I would say. So I'm guessing you've I opened... a lot of reading, yeah. You've opened this one in advance, yeah. A little bit. Okay. I've got some notes here that I'll definitely um, be pulling from. Because sure. I... Yeah, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, and these are linked in the show notes as well, I've read all of Mark Rosewater's own ponderings on the color mm-hmm. philosophy and magic they're a really great series he's done two series now he's done one way back in like 2004 and he just recently did like a revised version of those articles mm-hmm. as an updated version which i really really enjoy reading and his drive to work podcast as well has also touched which on which we shouted out in the last episode i've yeah. been listening to a lot of this recently it's a really good way to get in the mind of basically mm. yeah how the colors come together in magic design and also just generally the whole lead game designer oh like, yeah it's such a cool thing to just hear his opinions on stuff yeah we're so lucky honestly let's jump in yeah sure let's jump in so So black what does it believe well i think that black's belief is actually pretty simple to understand but nuanced to unpack i think that there's like one simple core belief and then it kind of like from that one central point you can pick it apart into lots of different things okay but the central point basically sits black believes in power Mm. power over everything and it wants it yeah and when i say like black believes in power um i say it's like believing in it because it's very unlike the rest of the colors when it looks to the world um it kind of looks at the world as a realist and realist Mm. philosophy is very very different in terms of metaphysics which If you're not familiar with metaphysics, I have explained this on previous episodes of Mm -hmm. the Color Philosophy episodes, so go back and check those out. But metaphysics kind of describes how the world works in relation to us as thinkers Mm -hmm. and these people that postulate things. So as as a realist, this is 
a color that sees the truth of the world, Mm -hmm. sees things quite tangibly. So realism philosophy is essentially like what you can perceive is what exists, independent of you and your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, again, go and read metaphysics stuff because it's really interesting. But this kind of is the counterpoint to nominalism or what I think is more poignant here when we're talking about colors of magic idealism Mm. um a lot of other colors in magic the gathering are very idealist yeah um whereas black is very much no this is what the world is yeah i can see the actual state of the world regardless of what i want it to be or what Mm. i think it is this is what it is and like realism philosophy is all about i can touch this thing i can see it therefore it is real Mm -hmm. so if if black can see that money is power you know, and it, it is like a tangible thing that you spend money to get things you want. That is mm-hmm. a thing that happens in the realist view of the world. That's how it views the world. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think I guess you would contrast this a lot with, to be honest, two of the colors we've looked at already, white and blue. For, for instance, sure, for sure. Where white has um, very lofty ideals, definitely around um, collectivism and and taking care of one another and the, the things we owe to each other mm-hmm. and sort of dreams of a state where everyone can be united or whatever, whether that state exists or not, mm. is kind of irrelevant because it dreams of it anyway. And and Black straight up looks at this and goes, that's just delusion. Yeah. It's it's That's not the world as it is right yeah. now and therefore it's not real. Yeah. And therefore you can't do anything in it. Mm. And I think that that's why, I mean, even when you look at Blue, Blue's idealism is this pursuit of knowledge. And, yeah. and knowledge is quite abstract, you know, like philosophers since the dawn of philosophy have been going well everything that i know means that i know less because Mm. there is more for me to not know well and the thing we discovered with blue when we're looking at its flaws is that it needs to consider every avenue and so it tends to sit back and wait and potentially wait too long Mm. you know twiddles its thumbs twiddles its thumbs a bit and doesn't go anywhere so i can see that the uh, the the black sort of response to that is like, no, no, I'm going to get that. You know, I want power. I want and power, I want it now. and I can see where I can get power from, mm. probably as well, is what we're sort of touching on here. Yeah, well, like I said before, the money thing is the kind of bit that my brain goes to, or just like mm. straight up things that don't get in its or things that get in its way it deals with. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But like, I want to touch on the realism bit a little bit more because sure. there's like. We've talked about politics quite a lot, specifically with white, Mm -hmm. um, but I would love to put the frame of realism that black has Mm -hmm. on how it frames the world actually does end up employing a certain set of political beliefs and political values on how it kind of uh, acts in the world. And it's, it's very easily identified as political realism that's oh. what it's known as i like when they put two words together and it means what those two words meant yeah. separately but together yeah it's <laughs> realism in politics yeah political realism love it what's uh, political realism <laughs> it's basically very very focused on power like there is a okay. huge emphasis on power is the goal of political realism so if okay. you are a political realist you seek more power than you already have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is often discussed in the space of international relations and international politics. Okay. Because when you... It's really easy to identify, you know, like a country invades another country 
to gain more land, to gain more resources, right. to therefore gain more power over more people, mm-hmm. yada, 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 yada. And, like, the whole philosophy of political realism is basically centered on this point of international law and order does not exist, will never exist, and because... Uh, the reason why it will never exist is because it cannot exist. Human nature is just that of this... It is unobtainable to provide a perfect international law and order. Mm, that is so interesting to me because I often see the word realism used in the context of um, optimists, realists, and pessimists. Yeah. You, know, you have someone who's optimistic who sort of um, thinks that things are probably... Like, you know, generally looks for the the upside and goes like, oh, no, things are probably better than they appear. Glasses half full. Yeah, glasses half full. Or, you know, even more, glasses three quarters full. Like, the optimist yeah. is, is going like, no, it's, everything's going to sort, sort itself out in the end. Mm-hmm. Where the pessimist will go the other way, right? And go, yeah. oh, when I look at the, the state of things, it looks awful. Things are only going to get worse from here. That's the conclusion I'm going to reach. And then realism is placed as kind of the middle ground here, right? Like, the realist sees things as they really are. But as you're discussing right now, Mm. this idea that there's no, you can't possibly have international law and order because people won't ever get there. It's interesting that that's called... It sounds pessimistic, It sounds pessimistic to me. That sounds to me a lot like a description of like, oh, you know, you you, you see this a lot in in discussions of ethics, right? Mm -hmm. There can't be morality. There can't be ethics because people can't help themselves doing terrible things. It's human nature to be greedy. But to me, that's a very pessimistic view. So anyway, it's interesting that like, I understand like when you take the idea of realism out of the context of optimism and pessimism, it takes on a different meaning. But it's interesting that it's like your description of that as political realism sounds pessimistic to me. I, I totally hear what you're saying and respect it, but I do want to say I do think it sits in the middle between optimism and pessimism mm. because I think pessimism very much rolls over to the idea of unchangeable things. Right, I can't do anything about this, so it's done. Correct, whereas realism takes the approach of, okay, that can't be achieved, so what's the best thing for me? I will be the powerful one. Oh, okay. I will take the seat, that kind of thing. Mm. So it's it's... This political realism is really interesting, and I've linked um, an article from Stanford Uni in the in the show notes for you guys as well. Oh, great! To to have a bit of a read on where we've seen political realism in history. Oh, cool! Um, and stuff like that. So go check yeah, it out. Definitely. Um, anyway, I think that like reducing all of this like global like macro scale view of political realism when you boil it down this is exactly what black believes in on the micro for the for the self for itself Mm -hmm. um mark rosewater actually puts it really really brilliant here i've got this um quote from one of his black um the article is called in the black which i think is really cool nice this is revisited one so he says there is no no one better suited to look after your own interests than you therefore If everyone looks out for their own interests, you've created a system where everyone has someone looking out for them. In addition, black system allows everyone the opportunity to succeed. Will everyone succeed? Of course not. But once again, that's not Black's doing. That's just how the world works. Mm. So you can see that Black's view on this this global scale, when, you know, reduced down to the the single self, it is very much... I'm just going to look out for number one. Mm. I am the most important thing. Well, and I think the thing that Mark is implying here as well is that the system that's created when everyone thinks that way is basically a meritocracy, right? It's, yes. It's the idea that people will rise and fall based on their own merit. 
Mm. And so the best way that, that you can allow people to do that is by just having the system be that way. You know, if someone can exceed in this way, they should be um, judged to be exceptional and be given power. Mm. And if someone cannot present themselves as being exceptional, they should not have power and they should be powerless. Correct. The um, weak will fail. The weak will fail. Yeah. And I'm seeing now, I, I know we'll go into it later, but I'm seeing definitely why black is, is put on the other side of white, yes. for instance, because this is basically polar opposite philosophy here. Yeah, and for sure, and like, I think that the meritocracy thing is exactly what you think. And I will go on a bit of a side tangent here about the American dream for mm, a little second. Okay. I personally believe the American dream and America is very black coated <laughs> in magic color philosophy. Sure. Um, I just think like the whole very strong capitalist values mm. are in of itself a meritocracy that you know a meritocracy belief system yeah that you know you can make it that's the american dream anyone can, can yeah, make anyone it anyone can world, make it in silicon valley but yeah. you have to you have to be the one to do it no one's mm. going to do it for you kind of thing well also uh, the american political system i mean we shouldn't go too far into this because we'll alienate some people but <laughs> um you know there's a really strong emphasis on freedom right like when, when oh a, yeah for sure when it's americans look at t-shirts a, australia <laughs> they they are all, all well a lot of people will go like, oh, I can't believe how many freedoms you guys have given up. But it, which is interesting because then for us, we look at our system and go like, oh, actually, like the net gain that we get from not having some of the freedoms you guys have is positive for us. So we don't mind it. Mm. But yeah, like in this same kind of meritocracy style, the the uh, the American dream implies that no, no, no. If you give everyone whatever they want, they can they can go out and get whatever they want. They will find their way in the world. And that's the perfect way to be. Yeah. And I think that. I think that's very black. Yeah, I, I think, think it so. is very black. Definitely. Um, and again, this is not like this is the thing that we we'll talk about this later. Black is not the evil color. No, we've touched um, on this before in color philosophy yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll talk about it. But like, if any Americans are listening, we're not saying that because America is black coded, no. it's evil at all. Yeah. Um, it has just got the philosophy and the values that black has, mm -hmm. which is this individualist look out for oneself kind of thing. Sure. Um, all right, so. I think we could kind of more more or less get a real sense of Black's core beliefs. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably now good to have a look at the the themes that Black represents within magic, within its art, within its flavor text, okay. card names and all that kind of stuff, because it will reflect its view on the world a little bit more. Sure. Because not only does there is a core philosophical value, but there is kind of an outlook and what black lives in kind of thing that I think is really, really obvious across the themes of black cards. Right. So when we look at black cards, we can see the kind of things that black does. Yes. And that will reflect what black believes in. Yeah. And also just where black exists in the world of Magic yeah, the Gathering. Okay. So sure. like the first one, obviously, is this necromancy theme, this mm. death and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's pretty obvious. Black looks at this space, this this world of necromancy and death and decay, and it goes, okay, what is more powerful than death? Mm. Nothing, right? Like, death puts a final and decisive end to life. Yeah. And that is it. Like, it's full stop. End of, man. Like, mm. a realist looks at death and goes, yeah, there's no God. They just stop. Uh, that's it. Yeah. And I think Black looks at this and goes, ooh, what is more powerful than death? 
bringing the dead back to life. Ah, interesting. So it like looks at necromancy and goes, this just defies all laws of nature. Mm. And this is the, one of the most powerful things you can do. It is yeah. like taboo by most other colors. Yeah. Right? So doing that is kind of Black's way of going, oh, this is a thing that you're not using. All right, I'm going to use it to its fullest extent. This is the power thing, definitely, yeah. right? It, it's I, I've heard Mark Rosewater phrase this as being like, you know, Black believes that, that it... It's only black can go as far as it needs to go. You know, everyone else, it will be held back by what they think is right and all this kind of stuff. Only I, black, can go the extra mile to do what needs to be done. And so, yeah, same thing. It looks at death and goes like, well, none of you, you are willing to go there, but I am. Yeah. If it gets me what I need to get. So, yeah, same thing. Taboo, whatever. I'll get there because I need to. I mean, I really, really love the, um, the, when you combine the white and black cards, like funeral rites is the card that I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. And the flavor of funeral rites, just bleeding that, the the name of the card being funeral rites is very white, Mm -hmm. but what it's doing is black. Yeah. And that's why I think it's that two color card. Definitely. Anyway, what you were saying, I think is the perfect segue into what we, the next theme that I've kind of identified here, which is amorality. Mm. Um, I think black very much has the, I'm the only one willing to do the right thing or the thing right by me. Yeah. And it often is not the moral correct thing to do. Mm. Um, And I think this whole political realism kind of space often is reflected in writing as, is it ethical or not? Because it often, you know, if you're only looking out for the state of your own country, you're not thinking about the lands you're invading. Mm. You know, it basically opens the door for war crimes, (laughs) essentially. It's like, hey, come on in gas chambers it's Ooh. it's not it, it's terrible like but like this yeah. is the thing it, it really opens the door for this horrific and this is the most powerful efficient and brutal way of doing this to get what i need now mm. it's pretty horrible but like this is why we th- see these acts in black cards mm-hmm. we literally have a card called murder yeah it like what other like amoral thing is there in the world like how you know the, the when you're at school learning the difference between right and wrong and you mm-hmm. do usually do like a debate often schools will say is there ever an opportunity where killing someone is right yeah because it's an it's a moral question that is so hard mm-hmm. to answer you know like when i was at high school we looked at the death penalty and yeah. taught, we did a debate on whether that is a right or wrong thing mm-hmm. black doesn't even think that's a question yeah it's like is it a thing that happens Mm. is is murder real has someone been murdered in the world yeah then murder is a thing yeah well i think it's 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 really important to um to be clear here that like amorality is not being immoral yes there's immoral is the idea that morals are real and there are morally correct things to do and you are doing the wrong one right so if you if you live in a um, a Christian world, there are things that are gauged to be immoral. And if you have those beliefs, there are things you do that are considered immoral acts. Even right? by outside religion, if you live in a Western world, there is Western philosophy that determines Western values and morals and ethics. And laws. And as laws well. as yeah. well, exactly. But yeah, amorality says, no, 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 none of that is real. 
Um, and so we don't need to think about it, basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly as you say, Black looks at murder and it's not that Black is going, oh, murder is evil. I'm going to do the evil thing. That's immoral, yeah. right? Black is going, no, moral's not, moral's, morality's not real. So <laughs> I can do whatever I need to do. And so murder is just a thing that I can do to get yeah. what I need. Black honestly looked, Black would look at us thinking about this if 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 black was personified in a room mm -hmm. looking at us talking about the difference between amorality yeah. and morality it would go why are you even talking about this? You're yeah. doing nothing right now to better yourself. Yeah, what a Go waste hit of the time. gym, Go idiot. The gym. <laughs> like in the interlude, the beginning of this episode. I am the... there. Uh, oh. We're clever. We're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> but I often think that like, you know... If you look at a character like Anakin Skywalker, for example, mm. specifically Anakin Skywalker at the end of Revenge of the Sith, mm -hmm. like just before when he's dubbed Darth Vader, but is not donned the helmet and the cape uh -huh. and he just goes on a killing spree. Yeah. He kills younglings. He kills the separatists. Mm -hmm. He kills Padme. He kills everyone. It's just because he's doing it because he believes it is the pathway to save Padme mm. and to gain power yeah that's he, literally he doesn't think of like oh it's it's you know because obi-wan confronts him and he says this is not the jedi way which is a set of moral codes yeah and anakin's like the jedi is bullshit bro yeah like that doesn't exist you're an idiot well and the the thing that goes unsaid i think for a lot of that film is that anakin's the, the, the unspoken thing that Anakin is saying is none of you were willing to help me to get what I need, which is saving Padme. Mm -hmm. But these ways of doing things will let me do that. The so, dark side yeah. of the force. Well, but the pa the power I will grant gets me what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 like, the, I love that end of that film because it puts the, like, lofty values against personal stakes, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, that's all well and good, Obi-Wan, but I need this. And, and it, you're not listening to me. I need this, and, and this is the only way I can get what I need. And it shows what it can do to a person. Yeah. I think it's Corruption. very Machiavellian. It's, it's yeah. very, very cool. Get what you need. Um, I think the other um, theme that comes across in Black Cards might sound a bit green, mm -hmm. but I, I assure you it's not. The natural order of things often comes across depicted in black cards. And I, I can see your eyes kind of wandered to the roof there because you're mm. going, but like food chain and all that kind of stuff is mm. very green. Like there is a natural pecking order of beasts and monsters and, you know, yeah. like a wolf is a predator kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. But in black cards, there's lots of depictions of things like disease, vermin, insects, spiders, parasites, all of these things that like feed off something mm -hmm. because it has to and because that's where it is. You know, right. it's, it's almost like right at the bottom of the food chain, there is bugs mm. and there is a natural order to bugs. Black looks at this and goes, wow, these bugs are the powerful bugs. Oh, and okay. there's, there's like something to be learnt from Black there. And I think that even when it looks at things like disease, it is like this natural thing that occurs, but it absolutely dominates. Mm. You know, it's like this powerful thing that just owns people when it's around. Yeah, interesting. I, I, this is one that I probably struggle with a little bit more. I think, because I, I, I think Green... Green believes in the system that all things are in. Yes. Whereas I see where you're coming from here, which is that Black says... Each of those things is doing what it has to to survive. Correct. And that's good. So it's it's interesting. I guess 
Black doesn't necessarily believe in the system of natural order, mm. but it believes that when things are getting what they want, that's a, that's that's what they should do. Yeah, and that's a really great way of explaining it. If Black doesn't believe in the system, it actually thinks, and when it looks at the natural order of things, it goes, oh, everyone believes what I think because everything uh, is trying to dominate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. everyone has this Machiavellian do-what-you-must kind of thing to... To gain power. This is that realism again, I think, yeah. of going like, you know, none, none of those systems and ideas are worth it because when you look at the way the world is, yeah. things are just taking what they want anyway. Yeah. So that's the way we should be. And yeah, I, interesting. And I think Black, again, would looks at these things and looks at rats and looks at this and goes as far as to utilize them. I mean, like yeah. the rat creature type, that typal deck is always in Black. Always, yeah. Um, because it's like this... It, it's It's got this great, like theme of these rats just doing what they must which is gnawing through the bones of people mm. to get the food that they need it's disgusting yeah but it's what they must do yeah interesting yeah, yeah i see where you're coming from that's not one i've heard before put under the black banner but i see like it I comes up mean. in themes quite yeah, yeah. often. i see what you mean um the last one that i got written down here is very obvious uh for black but it's the sacrifice pain torture torment mm. How often do we see this in cards this instead of black? <laughs> is where the idea of black being evil comes from. Yeah, I think is when you see the art and you see the names of the cards, you go like, "That's evil." But again, but that's also amoral, yeah, right? yeah. But that's also we see it as evil because we, as people that live in a society, yeah. um, we go, "Oh, that doesn't fly in mm. our world because of our sets of morals." Again, black just ignores all of this yeah. and goes, "Nah." If you got to torture someone to get information, then you do it. You do it. Yeah. Um, I think it also does it to itself, which is very common to see in black mm. cards. Black is not afraid to be in pain if it is needed to get where it's yeah. going. If it's, it's it's the power thing again, right? Yeah. I'll do what I'll do whatever it takes to get power. Yeah, and that includes yeah whatever. It, like I, I guess the, there's this idea that black is selfish, which is warranted because it's yeah. looking out for itself. That's the definition yeah. of selfish, 100%. right? But it's it's not necessarily self-preservation. Well, it sacrifices right? itself. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so many points mm-hmm. because it is trying to progress itself to the next point. And it, I think it's very risky sometimes because it might not always land. Yeah. But if it if it is a chance to do it, you know, even if it's mm. like a 50-50 chance, I think Black is very willing to put itself on the line to progress itself. I think this is something we'll see a lot more when we start going into the actual cards and how they play. Mm. Is This is absolutely how Black looks in Commando. Yeah. For sure. Well, look, now that we get the themes, now that we've got the like the core values, mm-hmm. the Space Commander specifically asked at what lengths will it go to to get its goals. Sure. And we just talked about it with like, you know, Sacrifice, Pain and Torment, but mm-hmm. like... Black takes every opportunity it can. Anything that's presented to it. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Yes. That. That philosophy of just like, I'm going to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Not in the comedic and the brilliant stylings of Jim Carrey. No. But like very much like it will squeeze every drop of value it can from everything. Yeah. Even the discards of other things. So I think it's good to look at other colors as a collective here because black looks at the set of colors that it isn't and you mm. know looks at everyone else in the color pie and goes wow all of these colors set limitations on themselves for what they are allowed to do or what mm. they are doing and we spoke a little bit about this before but 
other colors, like think about white, for example, it will put moral codes around itself mm -hmm. that limit it from doing certain things. Yeah, or as we saw in the white episode, laws and structures even yeah. of like, you know, no, you can't do that because mm. that's not what we've agreed to. Here. Yeah. yeah. And even if you look at a color that isn't very law focused, which is more natural green, if you look mm. at green, green puts this barrier to anything that's not natural yeah. is taboo. Green looks at like artificialness is just wrong, so it won't touch it. Yeah, there's a reason that green is always the color of artifact and enchantment removal, right? And mm -hmm. the way that that's, that's um, named in the card is like, return to nature, naturalize. Yeah. You know, these are cards that literally say like, what you, this is not natural and we have to return to the natural way. Mm. And so, yeah, it's looking at things and going, yeah, I see what you mean. This is unnatural. And for black, black looks at that and goes, you're limiting what you're willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're imposing <laughs> some kind of barrier on yourself. And by doing that, you will never get what you want. Mm. And I think it, it, it often looks at the other colors as almost childish. I think, I think black, right. if I was to put myself in black's view, I think black is like the old beaten up guy that's been through war and just looks at the world as what it is and is only looking out for himself now. Mm. Do you know what I think? I think, I think black is maybe the most condescending color. Oh yeah. Would you, would sure. you agree with that? Yeah. Like, I, I think the other colors look at the colors around them and go, that's not right. Or that's not how I would do it. But black, I think takes it to that next level of going you're an like, idiot. yeah, yeah. You're yeah. inferior to me yeah. because you're not willing to do what it takes. Well, I mean, yeah. you look at like, you know, the, the reflection of, Kings, queens in Magic the Gathering, mm -hmm. Queen Marchessa, yeah. what's her core color? Yeah, black. Um, sure. So, like, you can see that there are themes of this, like, I'm better than you mm -hmm. because I'm unlimited and unchained. Yeah, for sure. Um, just like we spoke about before with the theme of sacrifice, pain, and torment. That is exactly what black will do to get its goals. Mm -hmm. Like, and again, even at the extent of itself, like think of that scene in the first Saw film when the doctor cuts off his own. Have you seen Saw? No, and I never will. Okay. <laughs> but right. I, I'm familiar Very, with the scene because yeah. I've seen Scary Movie. <laughs> or Scary Movie 3 or whichever one they used it in. Very obvious difference between Walt and James here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like that scene in Saw where the doctor just goes, no, I need to do this because it's yeah. what I, like, that's what black does it's like unlimited mm. if i need to chop my own leg off to get out of this chain yeah. i will and this is the sacrifice kind of aspect yeah. of black right and it's often hefty costs that we yeah. see in black cards like we look at you know you know just like viserys here just to get the idea of a card like just to you know prem you know like have a premonition of some kind that might not mm. come true you have to kill a creature yeah you have to sacrifice a whole being mm. to to get that scry one ability yeah it's pretty insane it is pretty insane um i think the self-sacrifice and the flavor of like you know things like as an additional cost sacrifice x like we've spoken about is mm -hmm. a perfect example of this bone shards that bone kind shards. of thing village rights yep. yeah but i think that cheating mana costs which is I also think a bit of an amoral thing that black does because, mm. uh, you know, yeah. When do you see white cheating mana costs? Never. Because really. it, it pays its taxes because that's <laughs> what it has to do. It, it actually, you know, imposes taxes on other people. Whereas black's like, nah, I'm going to utilize death to cheat mana costs. You mm. know, like it says that this spell costs X less where X is the creature that you sacrifice as an additional cost. Mm -hmm. um, I think further to this flavor and to really reflect it and to put yourself in the seat of black and the, the, the <laughs> lens of it 
is when you as a player start paying your own life to mm. to pay a cost i'm thinking like toxic deluge for example oh yeah this is probably the best ward wipe in black but you have to use your life as a resource to get there exactly it's this like and i think you, you as a player get this sense of this is what black is doing at no length there is no length that i won't go to to do what i need to mm. and if i need to pay life all the way down to near death i will i think maybe the most black Commander card that we see is Necropotence. Oh yeah, that's pretty. Good. I, you know, that's a good example. Not only are you paying life, but you're not getting reaping the immediate benefits of that. Right? It's a gamble. Mm. It's like I to do what needs to be done. I have to pay my own in my own life, and you don't see the cards to your end step. Right? Yeah. They're, they're put in exile. For those who don't know, with Necropotence, you exile cards face down. You pay life as many times as you want. You exile that many cards face down. The way it plays out in CDA, just people will play like thirty life sometimes and put 30 cards into their hand well in the, end, the step. end step so it's yeah. a gamble you know it's going like to get what i need to do i have to give what i have to do what it takes yeah. and to do what it takes means to to give everything in the hope that it gets there you put know? it all on the line put it all on the line yeah and putting yourself yeah and then like at the if it doesn't pay off you've put yourself in a position where if you've just paid 30 life you're on 10 or less yeah um you know that's very risky yeah. but if you can win on the spot and get ultimate power which in commander is winning the game mm, it's, it's worth, worth it. it every everything you do like yeah. black will pay life down to one life i think i would yeah. argue i know? genuinely think if there was a rule in magic that you can't pay life you can't pay more life than you have if that rule didn't exist, Black would do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Black would kill itself. Black would be like, oh, itself. right, I'm dead. Yeah. Um, but the power! <laughs> I forgot that if I'm dead, I can't win. <laughs> I think, finally, the thing that Black does to achieve its goals, and we spoke about this with the necromancy theme, is it utilizes everything that other colors won't. Mm -hmm. This is why we see Black playing in the graveyard um, a lot. And I think that... When you think of any color combination, even in four color, three color, the second you add black, the colors that it's paired with or the color that it's being paired with immediately start going, oh, the discard, the, the mm. graveyard, there's value in that. Yeah. Black almost opens other colors eyes when it's paired with something. Mm -hmm. The one that I really like to look at here is a great example of a commander that does this is Kess, Dissident Mage. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when you look at like red, blue, you go, yeah, this is it spell slinger thing. And then you look at black and it's like, but what if you got it back and did mm. it again? It's like this, yeah, it, you're, you're not using everything to its fullest potential. Yeah. Gotta go the, next, the extra mile. Mm. Mm. And I think sometimes it looks at other people's graveyards very commonly and goes, oh, you're not using that? Yeah, I'll, I'll use that. that. Yeah. yeah, you're not willing yeah. to go that to use the things you've discarded? Well, they're mine now. Black is the friend that you have at a restaurant that looks at you, put your knife and fork together and goes, are you going to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> and it will eat your last few chips because it's nutrients. Whatever it takes to get jacked. <laughs> gotta get that guys. Oh, the gym. It's all coming full circle. Now we just got to explain the soup and the shoes. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll all get right. there. Um, before that, though, we've been talking for a while. We have been. I reckon it's time to take a thrifty interlude. A thrifty interlude. So we've got lots left to cover, obviously. Uh, we're going to go into Black's floors, enemies, allies, all that beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. But before that, we're going to hear a little something about a thrifty card. Uh, and this week, James is going to hop in for a dialogue uh, between a character in 
this card's art and another person who is nearby. Uh, James, do you want to like to read the card we're doing this week? Yeah, and please, because it will explain a lot of what's about to happen, go and look at the card's art. Uh, the, um, the art is a big one for this one. Yeah, please. And the name, I yeah. would say, yeah. Um, and very fitting, as every time was. <laughs> uh, this thrifty interlude card is Dark Privilege. For one and a black, you'll get an enchantment aura that enchants a creature, and the enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. And it also has sacrifice a creature, regenerate enchanted creature. Yeah, cheers to that, mate. Wait, Kev, you've had a few too many, I think. You're talking about human blood again. I am perfectly sober. Would an intoxicated person lick his own eyeballs to clean them? Based on what I've seen with some of the men around here, absolutely they would, Kev. Listen to me, Gary. You are a man of the minds, in trade and in purpose. I bet you've seen your fair share of fell beasts of the night. Well, you're the fellest fella I've ever met, if that's what you're talking about, Kev. No, Gary. I simply wonder whether you have personally killed these dark minions of the mines. Look, Kev, to be perfectly honest with you, I avoid killing them if I can. Must be a terrible life stuck down there in those mines all day and all night. And I'd know. All the other miners just kill them without ever asking them what it's like. It'd have to be worse than being one of us, surely. No, Gary, that is where you are wrong. The beasts of the mine are extravagant hoarders of valuable minerals. They lock themselves in caves in the hope that nobody will notice how they steal from beneath the noses of poor miners like yourselves. In the age of today, the dark beings are living better than the average working man. Far better. It is the exact opposite of what all of those town criers are telling you. The real privileged beings of today Kev, 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 I'm gonna stop you right there, mate. I may be a measly miner, but that sounds exactly like the things Ronald Crumpet was saying to try and get elected. And I won't have a bar of it in my bar. If you want to go around talking about that, I suggest you go talk to that table over there. They really like that stuff. Get back to them! <laughs> just the average conversation in central Australia yep. at, a, at a bar, at a bar. The mines. we've all met someone like uh, like Kev I yeah, I'm, in, most, in most rural Australian towns there's always a Kev <laughs> I think Gary said it right when he said based on the men I've seen around here Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, <laughs> I'd yes. lick my own eyeballs if it was available to me. I'm going to do a very small shout out to some of the listeners that I've been to a local uh, Australian bar with. And just like, no one else will get this but these three or four listeners. Okay. The Ball Goblin. Enjoy right. that, boys. And enjoy everyone else for the no context ball, <laughs> ball goblins goblin. you just got. Um, look, if you enjoyed that uh, dialogue, you can see these released in text form every week. Uh, every Thursday in the Thrifty Thursdays channel of the Greensboro Commander Community Discord server. It's linked to the show notes. And you can also see us bring some of those to life in video form over on TikTok at Get Commanded. Now this has to go in the Thursdays Incarnate deck because this protects Thursday Incarnate. It's true. I mean, it's tough though. Like, I think this, this card is better 
when you want to be stacking stuff anyway, mm. right? Like my, I've talked about my Marin deck before, where its current iteration is all about like the power of creatures. Did this stuff. used to be in your? It Marin used deck? to be yeah. in the previous iteration that was all about like in straight aristocrats. This is amazing. You put this on, so stupid. You know, taste a Karlov. Put yeah. this on Taysa Karlov. Taysa Karlov is safe, right? You can sack yeah. a creature to regenerate her. And you have a free sack outlet. And she gets plus one, plus one. Sweet. It's so good. It's yeah. super underplayed, I think. I think I'm going to put it in Scorpion God. Oh, yeah. Keep Scorpion God. I know Scorpion God has this like self-preservation thing where it dies, goes back to your hand. So it costs... Yeah. It like, cheats the command attacks a bit. But Even so. It's just so good. It's so good. All right. Back to black. Mm-hmm. Back, back in black. <laughs> Speaking of Aussie, Aussie country yeah. Bars, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Um, all right. Well, what have we got left to talk about? I think always when we talk about colors, um, we look at its philosophy first. Mm-hmm. Um, the first half of every episode has been we're looking at its philosophy, and we we start to go, oh yeah, I can understand why blue does this. Understand mm-hmm. why black is very selfish because yep. it's a realist, and you start to empathize with it. But all colors have flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at black's flaws. Um, I think the the place that I always go to is those articles that I referenced earlier mm-hmm. and that are linked in the show notes. Mark Rosewater's ones. Yeah. yeah. He puts a really, really great section in each of these articles that it's it, it, not quite flaws, but he says, what negatively drives the color? Mm. Um, so in white, we talked about like its pursuit of per- perfection is unobtainable. Mm-hmm. When we talked about blue, we talked about how it twiddles its thumbs. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it thinks for the sake of thinking. Yeah. So black's flaw is pretty obvious when you start thinking about it it's selfish yeah it's very very selfish black uh, on the report card it got at the end of the semester definitely had a stern word from the grade six teacher being like black doesn't play very well with others <laughs> it's like red's report card is like often uh very active yeah. in the classroom yeah red has an active mind yeah. uh not always good at paying attention yeah. to what's going on white's like um, tried to enforce classroom yeah. rules without... White is a bully. Yeah. <laughs> but black is incredibly selfish. Yeah. I mean, we, we spoke about it before. I think Mark Rosewater, um, like, put it really brilliantly in one of his articles. But I... I'll read that first and then I'll kind of, like, explain what mm-hmm. I, I kind of, impi- like, envision this as. Sure. Mark Rosewater writes, Those who are willing to do things not for the good of themselves, but rather for the good of others... Take away Black's ability to motivate them. Now, I'd replace the word motivate with manipulate here. Okay. I think it's much more Black. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on and says, Fear, pain, threat of death. What do you do when individuals would rather suffer than do what you want them to do? Mm. Like, so, Black not only is selfish in the sense that it's trying to get what it wants, but also... It relies on selfishness in the people it's trying to... Manipulate. Manipulate. Yes. Because it's going, yeah, you need to have base wants and needs that I understand so I can deprive you of those. So I can get you to serve my needs. Yeah. You are a means to my ends. Whereas you could sort of imagine a world where black is trying to manipulate white to do something and white's like, no, I would literally rather die than harm the people that I care about. And black's like, what the fuck? What do I do with you? Who would rather die? Yeah, and I think I always picture, you know, the, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Yes. This is that, but with morals, mm. black's unstoppable independence meets white's immovable moral object. Yeah. You know, like it's, 
it, it, it just collides and it's hard to determine what happens mm. because black is so immovable. But like you can almost see what will what black will do. Yeah. It'll just kill them. Yeah. To get him out of the way. Yeah. I suppose there's something to be said here for the fact that it, like black wants to be on the top, mm-hmm. but it's lonely at the top. Right. Yeah. And I think black is the loneliest color. Yeah. Just like one being the loneliest number. Black is the loneliest color. Yeah. For sure. I think if you look at, like, black-aligned characters Mm. in, like, pop culture, um, you know, even, like, Liliana, for example, is Magic the Gathering's black planeswalker. That's the... Well, yeah, like, it is the core black planeswalker, for sure. We've talked before about with white and with blue, like, we looked at the the planeswalker who has the most printings in only that colour. And, yeah, there's, like, pretty obviously, like, Ajani and Jace were the white and blue ones, respectively. And, yeah, like, Liliana is this in black, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at Liliana's story, and isn't it sad and lonely? She, like... She did everything that she could to to get to where she needed to be, making deals with demons, mm. sacrificing herself, and, like, sacrificing her own... Like, before Gideon saved her, she was, like, basically going to kill herself mm. to, to try and save Ravnica when Bolas was invading. Yeah. Um, this is incredibly black. And now, where is she? She's hiding on Strixhaven to pretending to be a teacher mm. because... Half of the planeswalkers in existence hate Liliana. Think she, that she betrayed them, yeah. Isn't that a sad, sad story? It is. It definitely is. But then you look at like other characters in pop culture, like I was saying, and you look at the black-aligned characters or try and go, okay, who has this realism lens of the world and who thinks... So like a couple of ones that I've noted down here is Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Yep. Um, how often is he depicted in a very big, lonely mansion with no one but Smithers, who he is essentially manipulating to... Well, he's basically a servant. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, Undead Butler is a black card. Basically, Waylon (laughs) Smithers. Um, Voldemort in Harry Potter. Sure. Another really good example of a black-aligned character. Does Mm -hmm. anything for power. Yeah. Ramsay Bolton in Game of Thrones. All of these people end up incredibly lonely yeah and they will do everything they can and will do like you know ramsey bolton oh my god some of the things he did in mm. game of thrones i've never seen game of thrones have actually. you really no wow. never. i don't think i can cop it like I've, people have described scenes on. to me and i'm like i i've got too weak of a stomach <laughs> and too weak of a heart to bother with any of that stuff wow this is real uh, we talked about saw and game of thrones yeah. now a very clear difference in the type of media <laughs> that we consume but like Ramsey has done like actual war crimes because he mm. wanted to gain power and he like took Winterfell, which is a big castle in the north. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. But at the end of it, no one was left to defend him. Mm. He was the only one that had his own back properly. Yeah. Because he manipulated everyone into having his back. Mm-hmm. Now, like and immediately I think you're gonna look at these characters and go, but yeah, they're all evil, so I don't really give a shit about Mm. them but there's a character that i was thinking about that i was like oh my god he's the protagonist he's the main character we empathize for him Mm -hmm. and it's walter white in breaking bad Mm. walter white especially when he goes like full heisenberg at the end of the series he is on his own in exile doing everything he can to finally do what his original goal was which was to give his family money Mm. but the means that he took to get there was all black focused Mm. and he was he is an absolute realist he took the world as it is and did what he could to get money but then 
he lost his sense of purpose and just wanted mm. power for like five seasons. And then right at the end of that final season, he died on his own in a meth lab. Mm. Like incredibly lonely character. And like that final scene, even though Walter White is a terrible person, killed heaps of people and is a drug dealer, you go, I kind of empathize for this guy. He's He was doing his best. Mm. You know, it's, it's quite easy to empathize with someone that does their best. Yeah. I am going to have to take your word for it because I also haven't seen Breaking Bad. Wow. There is like a <laughs> string of... Con- All right. Can I just point out something that's quite funnily obvious sure. here? You've not seen a lot of content with very black aligned characters. <laughs> I have. True. <laughs> We're learning stuff about Walton James through the lens of color. Well, I find it interesting. Like your... We'll talk about this later, but like mm. your colors are white and green directly across the aisle is, yeah, is black. it's true. Um, which is actually a really great segue mm-hmm. into Enemies and Allies. Sure. Let's talk about the Enemies and Allies of Black, because mm-hmm. like I said, your two colours are white and green, yeah. which are the Enemies of Black. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, like I said at the start of this episode, we have spoken already at length about the white versus black and the fact that it is not good versus evil mm-hmm. in colour philosophy and in colour philosophy white. Yep. Go check out those episodes if you're interested. But mm-hmm. already by unpacking the like the, the, the philosophy of black, we can actually determine that it's not good versus evil, it's idealism versus collectivism, or individualism versus collectivism, yeah. and it's realism versus idealism. Mm. It's, yeah, about myself and about how the world is, and about everyone and about how we want the world to be. Yeah, I think this is honestly, like, I think I'm, if I'm looking at white-green as being the, the section of the colour pie I'm most firmly in, I'm more white-leaning than green in that, yeah, for me, the collective is, is everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, the character trait that I struggle the most with, not just in terms of, like, people that I don't like, but also in terms of people that I literally don't understand is selfishness. Mm. I literally can't get my head around it. And people will often, like, people who I know are very dear to me have sort of called me out and been like, you know, you will always assume that someone has some good intentions for the the reason that they're doing something. Sometimes they're or just misunderstood. But sometimes people just do what's in their best interest without regard for anybody else. Yeah. And I literally can't even understand it. Because yeah, as a firmly white mage myself, for me it's all about the the teamwork and the yeah, the collective and the ideals. You know, yeah. it's the ideal state. It's the the Mark Rosewater often describes that whites um, ideal is like if we work together no one needs to be hungry no one yeah. needs to suffer we yeah. can all be living in harmony together mm. the, this is white's ideal above all else is like if if we set aside our selfishness set mm. aside us our our personal desires and wants for the collective we will all collectively be better off people individually and this is where black comes in yeah people individually may not have the same capacity they had before. And Mark Rosewater describes this as the the ceiling and the floor, right? Yes. Where, yeah, yeah. where Black wants to live in a world with an extremely high ceiling, but also an extremely low floor, right? Like people yeah. can be the absolute most powerful being ever, but they can also be nothing and dead, you know? Yeah, and there is a place for you based on this meritocracy that... that, yeah. that ridiculously high ceiling and low floor creates mm. because who wants it gets it. Yeah. You know, and, and black looks at white going, wow, you don't want that. 
Well, yeah. What an idiot. Like, like, how can you put a cause above yourself being better than all? You well, know? Like, and this is the thing is that I think Black looks at White also, and White would probably happily admit that in order for... Because White wants to raise the floor, right? Yeah. But in order to, to raise the floor, a lot of White's struggles are actually about reducing the ceiling, yeah. right? It's like, no, actually, you can't do that. This is where the laws and religion come into it. No, you can't do that. Because collectively we have to be together, and that actually limits people's potential. But they're they're the white argument from the perspective of white yeah. is I'm going to raise the floor so people don't have to suffer anymore. I mean, you can see this in like our world when you know there are certain states and nations that have tried to implement a form of communist society. Yeah, or socialist. And even. Why it fails, mm. you know, because it, it has that struggle, that that in, incredibly hard battle. Mm. I think when you look across the aisle and slightly to the left a little bit, mm-hmm. Green, Black has a similar problem with Green in, a, in that Green really cares about the harmony of all things. So mm-hmm. there's still this sense within Green of this collective. There is an intertwining thing that connects us all. Mm-hmm. Um, very, you know, Green Jedi connected with the force kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And Black is very opposed to that because Black is very individualist Mm -hmm. um, and kind of also realist. If Black can't see a rope that tethers two people together, they're not tethered together. They are two independent things. And I think Black immediately looks at Green and goes, you're just thinking like white, but more hippie. Shut up. But then I think there's like another subset to the Green philosophy. And we'll unpack Green philosophy when the Space Commander's are good and ready to dive into it. <laughs> and I'm sure they have their own motivations. But, like, this philosophy that Green has of the harmony of all, Black really struggles to capture that. But the problem that it, I think Black has with Green is it's what will be will be mentality. Yeah. But Green is very, like, it's nature, bro. Let it grow, man. Mm. It's all good. Well, and Black's I'm... like, no, control it. Yeah. You know? I think I'd even take it a step further, though, and say that green is not only what will be will be but also like things are fine the way they are right yeah green is like it's almost a little bit um conservative in its ideals it's saying like things were fine the way they were and actually we need to go back to the way we were whereas black is like no 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 we have to go forward (laughs) right make the forest great again i mean (laughs) (laughs) but like no i think you have a great great point it's not it it is let let what will be will be but it is also let it be what it be yeah you know, let, let it be, be what it is let it let it be what it was even. yeah green you know na- like we talked about with naturalized return Maybe to nature regressive, yeah. yeah it's a little bit regressive in that it's like no no the the way things were the natural way is the way and sometimes that actually means going back mm. and i think black sees that and goes no 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 we always yeah. have to be going forward and i think that i want to juxtapose two card arts here oh, as, sure. as a way to kind of homework go and check out these two card arts Mm -hmm. cultivate has a lot of different card arts but this is one of the ones that i want to to put in Mm -hmm. i specifically want to look at the one with the hand that's kind of like touching the ground with Mm. its like middle fingers and there's this glow that's coming from it beautiful it's the most common cultivate art i think it's like the default one like m21 and all that is that cultivate been printed a million times yeah um and the other card that i want to juxtapose it with is another green card but has black in its identity as Mm -hmm. well and it's dig up 
Yeah. Do you know the card Dig Up? This is the one that gets a land from your graveyard to the battlefield? No? It's it's one green, mm-hmm. and it searches your library for a basic... Or for a land card and puts it into hand. Mm-hmm. However, it also has cleave. Oh, it's the Tudor, right? It's the it unconditional Tudor. Yeah. So if you cleave it, and its cleave cost, I think, is one black, green, green, or one black, black, green. I think it's black, black, green. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, its cleave cost is a little bit more expensive and requires black, mm-hmm. but it removes search for a land and just searches for any card yeah and this is i think an incredible like already we see the mechanics going into this but Mm. the artwork is what i want to focus on here if you look at the artwork for dig up there are claws digging into soil yeah and i think the art if you look at the art next to each other the, the the cultivate it almost like taps nature into growth mm. and it like it, it kind of accepts it for how it is and it's very gentle yeah. whereas the second you add black in there it's digging up it, the card's called dig up it oh. like it actually claws through the soil to get what it needs i think there's an another dimension here i'm so with you on the flavor train here mm. i think this is beautiful there's another dimension here which is the card is called dig up mm-hmm. i think there's an uh, an argument to be made for the analogy of how deep you dig Right yeah. when you like dig up has a cleave oh, cost, right? This is so flavorful, right? If you if you dig the surface of the soil, you can yeah. you can utilize the get soil, right? Get a land that's like cultivation. Mm-hmm. It's it's about um you know uh, agriculture that kind of thing. Yep. But if you dig deep enough, literally, right? You'll get what you'll you find need. anything. You yeah. know you could find anything, and this is that black ambition coming in, right? You need to dig deeper, literally. Yes, <laughs> you could even like pay more mana and like yeah. you know, go go harder. And like, even if you think about where it's looking, it's in the ground. What's in the ground? Dead people. Yeah. Black looks in the soil and goes, soil is there, but there is a corpse underneath it, which I could resurrect and it could be a soldier for me. Yeah. I, when I was looking at these two cards, I was like, this is the perfect representation of what happens to other colors when black is involved. Yeah. I think so. They, I love they, the flavor. They go up. further. Yeah. I hate the cleave mechanic. It sucks, yeah. but I think it's a great card. I, tr- I agree with you. Uh, let's look at its allies. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, it's in between the two greatest colors of all time, um, <laughs> but it also creates the greatest wedge of all time, um, Grixis. Let's just quickly look at what it sees in, in red and blue. So mm-hmm. when it looks at red, I think red is like a little immature younger brother for black. Mm. Um, black admires that red has decided that free will is the most important thing in life. Mm-hmm. But I think it looks at red and goes, you lack purpose. Yeah. Um, red Red is like about what, what do I want right now? Mm-hmm. But not necessarily what do I need in the long run. Like yeah. black, I think I've heard Mark Rosewood describe that black is one of the most planning y colours. Oh, right? yeah. Whereas for like sure. if that's a spectrum of like how much do the colours plan, red is the complete opposite. Yeah. Right? Red doesn't plan at all. No, it, it impulses like it, there's so many impulse effects. Reckless impulse yeah. is like the defining character of card draw in red. Mm. It, that's not planning. That's like, no. I hope I get what I need Yeah. now. Well, and I think what happens when you combine these two things together, right, In for black-red, is you get Rakdos, which is kind of like... It's quite hedonistic and nihilistic. Mm. It's sort of like, just get whatever you want, right? Take what you want right now. Yep. Like... Do it now. Do, like, kill I people, if drink you blood, at, you know? Like, I think, think if you look at the cards of Rakdos and it's just like absolute freedom. I mean, there's like fetish, you know, yeah. wear on people. It's like, do what you want. I think Absolutely. I think if we're putting it in political systems as we have a couple of times at this episode, I think black red is the colors of anarchy. 
Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. It's like we don't need any systems at all. Yeah. We just need to have what we want when we want it. And we don't need anything else. Yeah. Spice 8-Rack has done a brilliant video on um, social anarchy uh, with oh, yeah. Domri Raid. Oh, cool. Um, from the Gruul clan. So Green Red. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I would agree with you strongly because in that video, Spice 8-Rack says... Domri doesn't understand what true anarchy is. Right. And I believe that it is True actually... anarchy is black-red, is what you're Correct. saying. Correct. Yeah. I, I, believe, I believe it is, yeah. Sure. Now, looking at blue, mm-hmm. black finds a bit of a kinship in blue with this, like, the use of manipulation and trickery to get what it desires. We spoke mm-hmm. about this in the last Colour Philosophy, that blue is the trickery colour. Yeah. It's this I'm smarter than you kind of yeah. thing. And I think there is, like, an adult level respect like it looks at red as a bit of a child it looks at blue as more adult and it respects this like hustle mentality that blue has for research and progression Mm. and all of that kind of stuff but i think black thinks that it lacks that little extra push again similar to with with red it just lacks that little push to go beyond to reach its full potential Mm. like you know for example mystical tutor and blue tutors stuff from the library really well yeah but like why tutor just instants and sorceries if you can make a deal with the devil you get anything yeah do you know what i mean mean. it's like nearly there but it's mm, not going the extra length yeah i think the other thing that um that blue and black have in common is that blues blues search for knowledge is it can be collective but it's usually quite individualistic mm-hmm, of like yeah. i need to master myself and i think black sees kinship there yeah blue i think does end up going a little bit more collective collectivism because it can teach things it can but i think yeah you're right if you're drawing all the cards you're drawing them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I think there's definitely a search for perfection in mm. blue of like, I need to find all the knowledge. I need to know everything, right? There's a lot yeah. of I in that implicitly, I think. Yeah. And I think black sees that there's a bit of kinship there where black is yeah. like, I want to do what it, whatever is necessary to get what I need. And if it and means reading books, I'll read books. Yeah, I'll read yeah. books. And, and blue is like, yeah, absolutely. I want to know everything. And to do that, I have to push, you know? Yeah. There's like a, yeah, like you said, you said hustle, I think. It's the like hustle a, mentality. Yeah, it's yeah. like a real like drive and search for for power really yeah, yeah. and i think power it, and knowledge it's really interesting because i've just realized that we've done something with black that we haven't done for white and blue mm-hmm. we've looked at its allies and still found faults in its allies mm. black still sees the faults in its allied colors yeah because again like you said it is the I am the best and will be the best color. Well, and also, like I said, he doesn't play well with others. No. (laughs) And he will, on his third warning, his parents will be brought in. Richard Garfield will have to sit down. (laughs) Richard Garfield and Mark Rosewater, (laughs) the gay kings. Come on in. Oh my god, can we make that canon, please? I'm so happy with that. (laughs) Alright, well look, at the end of all of these philosophical discussions that Mm -hmm. we have on Carla, we actually have to think about how it plays out in our format of Commander. Sure, Commander, yeah. Let's have a look at what Black does really well and have Mm. a look at some cards. I think the obvious start is removal. Yeah. Black is just great at doing this. Mm -hmm. And when you play Commander, it is like such a good feeling having a full grip of like kill target creature kill target creature yeah like we have murder defile snuff out dismember heartless act go for the throat there's like so many mm. that you and it's just such an easy oh i need more bits of removal i'm in black color identity here are five two drop kill target creature spells yeah so easy to put in other colors have to work a little bit harder to remove problems mm. or do it 
work harder for the player, but in their color philosophy, they're doing it with the constraints that they've put upon themselves. Mm. There's moral reasons, there's natural reasons, yeah. there's intellectual reasons not to just kill something. Because, um, like, blue wouldn't just kill something, it bounces it to hand. Or because, ex- exiles that we've seen a lot recently, too. Yeah. yeah, but, like, from a philosophy point of view, it'll bounce it to hand so it can counter it later yeah. and, like, be more intellectual about it. Where black's just like, nah, You're I'm just going to shoot you in the face. Yeah. There's something to be said for the fact that black... I agree black is really good at removal, but usually only creatures and um, planeswalkers, right? Yeah, that's Black true. has a really hard time removing enchantments and artifacts. Feed the swarm. Thank God you exist. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's interesting because I think red and green as um, I think probably the two colors that are most interested in destroying objects and places yeah. are, are much better at dealing with artifacts and enchantments. Whereas black, which is much more about like you are standing in yes. my way, you personally are in my way. Because that's that realist um, kind of view of if it's not tangible, if I can't see it and it, it's not pre- present to me, I can't deal with it. No. An enchantment is not present to black. It is no. this idea, like the enchantment card type is like glorious anthem yeah. it is the idea of people gathering together the collective yeah. is stronger than the individual mm. black has a hard time dealing with that but the way it does it with feed the swarm comes at a cost yeah and usually a hefty one it's the it's the cmc of the car yeah you pay you often pay a lot of life with um feed the swarm to get rid of something yeah i like that that's the one-off removal i hope they don't do any more because yeah. i actually like that black yeah is very very good at creature removal probably yeah. Only second to white, potentially, in Commander at least, yes, because white has swords and path, basically. Yeah. It just puts it a level above. But black has the most versatile creature removal, mm-hmm. I think. Because, yeah, snuff out costs no mana. Um, there's there's creatures in black that destroy creatures. Yeah, you know, we have, Ravenous Chupacabra. Yeah, we have um, the Noxious Gearhulk is another yeah. one. Like, no other colors really do that. Um, I also think it's good to note here that black can manipulate its opponents to sacrificing its own stuff yeah. too. You think of cards like Soul Shatter, mm-hmm. Fleshbag Marauder, Plague Crafter, yeah. all of these cards that force their opponents to sacrifice their own stuff. But it also usually means that it has to sacrifice its own things too. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of prepared to do it. You know, like, Fleshbag Marauder says each player sacrifices a creature. Yeah. So, usually, the black player just goes, all right, Fleshbag Marauder is immediately sacrificed yeah. when he enters the battlefield. He's done his, done his job. He's yeah. out of here. Yeah. I was thinking before, actually, it's sort of similar to the sacrifice stuff. When we're talking about Liliana, I was thinking about the Liliana that's probably seen the most play across all formats, which is the one that upticks and each player discards a card. Oh, Liliana of the Veil? Yes. Yes. This is, I think... Seeing a lot of play in Standard right yeah, now Yeah, because it's well. Standard Legal. That's that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. But yeah, like, I think it's really interesting that black... Black, I think, is a, is a color that's so good at attrition, mm. right? It's, it's so good at saying, like, I will deplete myself of resources slowly over time if it means you can't do what you need to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I have the black decks that I'm thinking of in Commander often end up, you know, almost hellbent. I'm think of Liesa, Shroud of Dust. Yeah. And it often is just like, I am just going to let this play out because I know that I will come out on top because I am better because I can gain a little bit of life mm. or I can just keep your threats down and keep my board at a reasonable level. Yeah. I think Liesa is a sick deck to represent the Black's mentality of War of Attrition. Yeah. I think even um, in terms of mono Black, you could look at a deck like Sheree. 
This oh, is the yeah. one where when creatures with power two or less, or maybe one or I think less, it's one or less. Um, die under your control, you return them in the end step. It's funny that the way, like, that doesn't imply anything in particular, but when you look at the cards you get access to in black at that power and toughness, yeah. almost all of them are creatures that say, when an ETBs each player discards a card. Yeah, one of our local judges, um, Violet, she had a uh, charade, charade deck. deck, and it, it was called, I can't remember what she called it, I think it was like charade and a bunch of dumb rats that yeah. make you discard cards or something. Yeah. Yeah. like that but yeah it's it's interesting that i think the the mono black route can go a couple of ways i think that's one of them is the mm-hmm. attrition thing i think the other way that black can go is this like i'm gonna go all in thing like mm. we were talking about earlier the like paying crick life. decks crick is where yeah. i was going as well literally you pay life to, <laughs> to cast your spells how many times have you seen a crick deck win on five life you know, a lot, actually. A lot, right? How many times do you see Crick pay four life to cast Sign in Blood to draw two cards and lose two life? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the, it's the nature of the color, yeah. I think. It's what it wants to do. And, like, on the train of removal, going back to the removal side sure. of things that Black does really well, I think mass removal is something Black does equally as amazing mm-hmm. as I think white does it really well white I, does it slightly better I would say but black is next behind it I, I mean like damnation is a color shifted wrath of God yeah um it but I also think that damnation does thematically color f- fit black like it I yeah. think it fits the philosophy like it's not afraid of destroying its own forces because mm. it is very you know destroys everything it's not one-sided yeah it destroys everything so it's not scared to kill itself to make sure it doesn't die and self-preserves itself mm. for the other side. Yeah. I also think that while I've just said that it's not afraid to kill its own thing, something that Black does really well with board wipes is one-sided board wipes. Yeah, it's basically the only color that has these, yeah. right? Like in Garrick's Wake, yep. Plague Wind. Yep. These are like the nine-drop things that destroy all creatures you don't control. But I think how Black is that? It's like it's a it's that extra mana, but if you put it in, you will be more powerful. Yeah. It's like it's one-sided. It's incredibly selfish. Yeah, to do. it is. I get all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we have already mentioned it, but Toxic Deluge is the most mana efficient board wipe in the format mm. um but it comes at a cost yeah um but how many times have you cast toxic deluge and not given a shit about how much life you need to pay it's true because you're always when you cast toxic deluge you always need to cast it so yeah. you will pay whatever you need You'll, to pay you need to do as much as you possibly can to get to where you need to get to yeah and that feeling of paying it is yeah. also very bad that feeling when you play toxic deluge in a black deck you're like I knew I had it. Yeah. I knew I'm, I'm safe. I needed it. I needed to pay the life, but that's fine. We've got a chance to rebuild. Definitely. I want to shout out another board wipe that um, is a much more budget and a co- little bit higher mana value, mm. um, but I think fits Black Flossy quite well, which is Necromantic Selection. Oh, we've talked about this card for another reason yes which we is, have yeah. well it's interesting because I think that also fits Black's color philosophy it's where you're going yeah. Necromantic Selections this is the 7 mana destroy all creatures and then you choose a creature that was destroyed this way and put it on the battlefield under your control it's from Adventures of Forgotten Realms I think uh, no it was printed a fair bit before that it's got a reprint in that one oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's quite it... a bit older I think it's a, a originally a commander like 2016 card I right. think or something like that anyway um, you destroy all creatures, you choose one of the things. I think it's interesting this is necromantic selection. This is very black being like, mm. all right, we're going to destroy everything, but let me make my choice here. I'm going to come out of this on top. Yeah, know? it gets one creature. Yeah, and in Commander, the, the reason we've shared yeah. that so many times is that the way that this card is worded, there is never an opportunity for a player whose commander was destroyed to put their commander in the command zone because this all resolves in the one effect. So yeah. if you... You can take someone's commander basically while doing this choice and they don't have the ability to move it anywhere else. It's pretty brutal. It's it's a bit of a rules 
loophole, but mm-hmm. the spell necromantic selection resolves its effect all at once. Yeah. Which means in between that happening, there is no point where state-based actions are checked. Yeah. Which means players cannot choose to put their um, commanders in the command zone. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. It is weird. Um, I also think that it's pretty obvious black is a graveyard deck. It's the most graveyardy color, yeah, right? For yeah, for sure. Comfortably. Um, and I think it, it also gives you a really strong feeling of, like, nothing ever truly dies for the black player. Yeah. It'll always come back. Like, the cards that we've got, like, we've got Reanimate, Victimize, Animate Dead if you want a headache, um, <laughs> Dread Return, etc. Um, sometimes, like, letting your creatures die and filling your graveyard, like, with your Meron deck was all part of the plan. Casting that Living Death. Yeah. Just like you said it before, it's like a bit of a long term plan for Black. Yeah. But usually a living death, um, for those that don't know, living death basically switches the graveyard and battlefield. It's got so much text on it, but the the, the in practice, yeah. you just take everything that's on the battlefield right now. Creatures. Creatures, yep. yes. Those go in the graveyard. Everything that was in the graveyard before then that is, a is, creature. On, is on the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. Switch. That's what yeah. you gotta think. But like I've seen you win with your Marin deck with that oh, living death, and it's probably the times. most common win con in your deck. Probably seventy percent of the wins that I get are with that card. Yeah, um, and yeah, there's there's something very black about this. I think of like filling the graveyard actively, yeah. right? Like you know, it's like a collection of bones that like other other players, other colors will be like. That's pointless. The battle is happening on the battlefield. Yeah. You're like, no, it's no, not. No, no, no. I'm making long-term plans <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, you can you can sort of imagine the, the necromancer or something being like, oh, another soldier fallen in, in battle. Um, I'm just going to bury her <laughs> over here. Uh, you all continue over there. I'm going to bury her over here <laughs> with the other 400 of them. You just, you carry on. You're doing great out there. I'm going to bury her over here. <laughs> And then they're like, thank you, uh, Necromancer. They run back onto the battlefield. Wait a minute. Turns around, (laughs) army of dead people. (laughs) I want to talk about as well, because we we mentioned Liliana. Mm. I want to talk about one of my favorite mass reanimation spells, which also fits another aspect of black. Command the Dreadhorde? Command the Dreadhorde! I love that card. Like, not only is this Liliana in... Arguably her most iconic story moment. So, like, quintessential black already mm. right there. It's bringing back multiple things in the graveyard, including things your opponents control. Yep, using your opponents' discarded shit. Yep. And you're paying life to do it. Like, this is quintessential black, right? I yep. need to get to my commanding position. Army, to yeah. command the Dreadhorde. I will do whatever it takes to do so. Including taking from my opponents and draining my own life to do it. Like, there is... I love in my... Um, it, this is a very common win con in my Queen Mar Chaser deck that's themed around my partner, which I talked yeah. about a few times on the podcast before. Sick deck. But um, I, there's nothing better than paying, like, 35 life and going to four, but knowing you have the win. Yeah. With Command the Dreadhorde. It's, it's so strong. It's so cool. I mean, like, Gary is usually in that pile that yeah. you reanimate, and Grey Merchant of Asphodel or Gary comes back and is very black in in that it like uses everything it has and gains the benefit of it and takes away from your opponents mm. and i think that like but to get there you have to cast that command the dreadhorde you have to pay the cost to get yeah. it you have to you it's, have to do what it takes it's that black play pattern definitely um i also think with black i would be remiss not to talk about tutors yeah we've spoken about like the it, it is just gets what it needs all yeah. the time and i think that you know, you look at Demonic Tutor and maybe you'll think, oh, but thematically, how the heck is that black? It, it's There's no downside. Mm-hmm. 
I think that is black, though. If black should be and is currently and shouldn't change, the only color that has unlimited access to its library. Well, an unconditional, Unconditional, right? yeah, unlimited yeah. access to its library. Yeah, like every other color has tutors in it. But yeah, mm. we've seen them even in the cycle that Vampiric Tutor lives in. We have white that gets artifacts and enchantments, green that gets creatures, you know. Yep. Um, oh, I forget what red gets. Anyway. but Oh, Gamble. Oh, it gamble. does get anything, but it does. red... It, it's reckless. Reckless. It's yeah. really reckless. It's literally a gamble. But yeah, I agree. Black, I think... I mean, it, it, maybe this is more of a card that we should look at not so much from the perspective of everyone else, but from the perspective of Black. Right? Yes. This is probably Black saying like, no, no, this is what I was telling you all along. I can do what it takes. And yes. none of you are willing to go the distance the way I am. I will consult with a demon. I will yeah. consult with a vampire if it means I can get what I need at the time. And I actually think that like in terms of design and like Wizards of the Coasts, like if if we look in this like weird world where Richard Garfield had five kids in their colors, <laughs> I think Black's reward for doing what it takes and trying to be the star child mm. is Demonic Tutor. Yeah. It's like it's, there's your gift. You did everything. You can now search for whatever you need. Yeah. In all future games. Well. Because if you're playing Black... It, like there is we, we talked about it in tutors versus card draw yeah. and we did say you should remove tutors from your deck but mm. if you are playing black you can throw a demonic tutor in there it is one in a black you get anything you need that is the objectively correct choice yeah. if you are playing cdh which is the most tuned version of commander and you are in black and you are not running demonic tutor you are playing a worse deck for it you're an idiot <laughs> 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 or maybe you're not proxying your deck, which is also a mistake that you're yeah. making because <laughs> um, Demonic Tutor is an expensive card. But yeah, I mean, look, this is probably, maybe this is also just the selfishness paying off. Yeah. Sometimes. It finally gets rewarded with like being selfish. Therefore, I get what I want. Yeah. When I go out and I get what I want, sometimes I get what I want. Yeah. Oh shit. I didn't have to like nearly kill myself. No. For this one. That's amazing. Just one time I did it. Yeah. Oh, look, we've been talking for a while, but now that we understand that black is the absolute slay queen, gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss <laughs> color in Magic the Gathering. Sure. Uh, when you think about it, it should be pink really, shouldn't it? <laughs> um, I would love to just have a conversation with you all mm. about what you feel when you play black, because we've talked about our color identities a lot. And mm. obviously black sits in between my very well-known is it color identity as a person, mm. this chaotic wants to be doing everything, but really informed guy. Yeah. You're very green white as mm. we've spoken about at length, which is very harmonious thinking of the group, the collective. Mm. We are very polarizing in difference, but I have a fascination with black. I play a lot of black decks because mm. it sits in between those two colors and I play a lot of Grixis decks as yeah. well. I'm very curious to why you or what you feel when you play black. Mm. I think the 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 pro of playing black for me, I think is that you you have so much less feeling of when you lose things. Like, when mm. things die... It's never dead. It's never dead. It's never it's dead. It's never dead. And, yeah, when I think about the decks of mine, ironically, like, 
Around Me theoretically should be a really black deck. It feels more blue to me when I play Around Me. I think me. you've put more blue in it. Yeah, you could, think... you could build a more aristocracy mm. Around Me deck and it would be really good. But, but yours like... is very tricky as well. Yeah. Like it does a lot of like weird stuff. Untapping. With, like, and... Untapping, but also like, you know, the creatures that you get back from the graveyard are blue and they do blue things. Yeah, they sort of loot and stuff like mm. that. Yeah. I, I think, to be honest, my two most black decks are probably my Marin deck, which I've already talked about, and my Queen Marchesa deck. For sure, which Marchesa. Is a, Funny because it's a, a Mardu deck, but it, there's very little red in that deck, and the white is mostly supporting black in that deck. It I is would a say. very, but I think yeah, like I said earlier, Queen Mar Chaser as a character is black. Yeah, it's the ambition at all costs, yeah. right? Yeah, I I think I enjoy when I'm playing black the feeling that yeah, like I you you always feel like you have a plan for the future. It's like yeah, things that set you back don't set you back that far. Mm-hmm. This I would contrast really strongly with white where white rewards patience and being ready for things to happen. Protection spells. Protection spells, that kind of thing. But if you just go all out in white and you are punished for it, it's a huge setback. And that's kind of the way that the color is supposed to feel, in my opinion. Whereas black, I think, is almost the complete opposite. Black is like, no, go shields down because sometimes it will pay off. You know, sometimes Mm. letting all your creatures die will mean that that living death pays off for you. Yeah. Sometimes um, wrathing the board will mean that you get all those aristocrats triggers. Like, I've I've won games before by just going like, wow, if I just destroy all the creatures on the board right I now, win. I have blood artists. <laughs> yeah. Right? I just win. Yeah. Like, that's that's what I have to do to win. And it's a real shift in thinking for me from white and green, which yeah. are if complete opposite. You know, plan, get ready for to be... To and protect be, what you have. Protect what you have. Yeah. Protect what you have it's at all costs. It's important to keep it on the battlefield. If you keep... Like, I love the inevitability of white and green. If you just keep amassing and being ready, eventually you'll get there. It's kind of like if you amass enough stuff, you'll get over the line. Whereas black is very much like a, no, just think ahead, you know? And you'll get there if you take the risks, I guess. Yeah, I will. I I do want to note here as well, In we've talked about with all your decks in that episode, we looked at all your decks. Mm -hmm. Black is the color that least shows up in your deck list. Yeah. So... I'm curious, why don't you play more black? Because like you said mm-hmm. that like you like, you said you enjoyed the feeling of like nothing's really dead, but it mm-hmm. you didn't say it with a lot of passion. Is it no. some, you, you, you prefer the play style of playing with this inevitability with white green and just amassing and growing and growing and growing and growing mm-hmm. and winning? I think, I think I find the lines of play weirder. In white and green. Like, black, I feel like, has... Maybe it's this thing. It's the singular purpose, you know? Or it's like, like it got, it's got Demonic Tutor, so you go get the best card. Yeah, yeah. And, like, not that I'm playing Demonic Tutor, but that's the vibe of black, right? It's just like, I'll get there, you know? Make if the I objectively just, correct choice. Yeah, and be dogged and be determined and stuff. And I think I prefer in white and green, and even to a certain extent in blue, that there's more of this kind of, like, reasoning your way through the problem Mm. and planning ahead and going... Having the perfect answer is something that I think white does really well, green does reasonably well, blue does great. Blue is amazing. Um, I'm sort of... If you're kind of blue-red and and maybe moving towards Grixis, I reckon I'm white-green moving towards um, Bant. Yeah, I've blue, built yeah. two Bant decks recently and I'm really enjoying them. Yeah, both of them are something that you're playing a lot. Bant yeah. Chantments and um, Bant Humans. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think just for me, Black has this sort of 
linear feel to mm-hmm. it of like i'm just trying to get to that one singular destination and yeah I've, I've talked about a few times on the podcast that i enjoy decks that have different avenues you can go down and yeah white and green it, it's just funny i'm sure people out there will eye roll at that and go like no green always wins the same way but it doesn't feel like it for yeah. me because you have to find your way there in a different way it's so funny for the exact same reason that's why i enjoy black it with, with my life and my my personality this chaotic runs on a to-do list that's written on the back of his hand kind of vibe mm-hmm. black provides me a sense of purpose right. when i play it and it provides a clear direction to winning the game mm. um i feel like when i play black commander decks i'm like i know what i'm trying to do here yeah and it and it provides me a direction whereas like you know the the black decks that i have i'm thinking of like my Scarab God deck, mm-hmm. blue is like this supplemental color in that strategy that supports me thinking about it and yeah. like giving me the information that I need to deploy it. Mm-hmm. But I'm really trying to amass a board of zombies. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. And it gives me the purpose and the drive to a win. Mm. There's sort of a beautiful singular focus that black gives you. And maybe black is the most win-oriented color. I think so. I, I mean, it's it wants power. What yeah. is ult- Ultimate power is winning a game of Commander. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, well, look, at the end of each of these episodes, I try and kind of encapsulate what the lessons are that Mm -hmm. I think these colors can teach us. So I've got four statements here, if you bear with me. Mm -hmm. First statement is, I am the number one priority. Next, true power comes to those that seek it and face the reality that the world is not constructed by idealists. It is owned by realists. And then I will gain, I will get what I want at any cost. I'm not afraid of the sacrifices, although they are great. And finally, a bit of a warning. When it comes to self-progression, you must back yourself because nobody else will, but you may be the only one left to do so. So, Space Commanders, Command Received! Ooh, Big one. Black, one. black is a um, an easy color to, to identify. You just say black wants power. Yeah. But then once you really start thinking about it and thinking about it in the context of other colors, it's it's interesting. I think I think black's um, where black is going is really singular, but the ways it gets there are really complex and nuanced. Yeah. yeah for like sure. what what they'll do to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so to to you listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of black? And do you look out for number one? Yeah. You yourself. Yeah. You can get in touch with us in a plenty of different ways um, to talk to us about the color black and anything else, really, um, via Twitter, Instagram, threads, or by sending us an email. But the best way to do it is joining the Greensboro Commander Community's Discord server um, to chat with us and other members of our playgroup. Yep. And uh, don't forget as well, that the absolute best way to support the stuff that me and James put together for you is Patreon. It's linked in the show notes. Uh, don't forget to check it out. It's the absolute best way to support us directly. And we'd like to thank our patrons Stella Tam, Fuzzy, and Bottomless Potamus. And an extra special shout out to Fletcher Cutting, who supports us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best. You are the best. And thanks again to Palms Off Gaming for not only having us on their podcast, but supporting our podcast and sponsoring us. These guys make the best stuff uh, for your uh, Magic the Gathering decks, including deck boxes, sleeves, binders, and just general gaming accessory goodies and a lot of merch. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au. 
Nice. Well, that's just about all the magic that we have time for. Mm. But it is tradition that we planeswalk outside Commander, outside of magic, to somewhere else. Where are we planeswalking this week, James? Well, I actually took you uh, to the planeswalk we're going to this uh, week. We're mm. going back to Tubular Bells. Oh, yeah. Um, this was fun. Yeah, I'm really glad that I got to take you to this because mm. I think you went in very blind. Yeah. Uh, you didn't. So, for those that don't know... Um, so, specifically, it's a, we're not talking about the album Tubular Bells. Yes. We're talking about a performance that was put on in Melbourne by a group, and they've got a few more performances coming up around Victoria if you live in Australia, but it's called Tubular Bells for two. Yes. So, they the two performers on the stage perform every single instrument on the album Tubular Bells, and they play the album from start to finish, right? Yeah, and if you, if you don't know Tubular Bells, which I would be pleasantly surprised if you do know, because it's from like the 70s prog rock era of music. It's mm-hmm. like very Pink Floydy. I mean, Mike Oldfield was the original composer of the entire thing. Mike Oldfield is an incredible musician, um, but it is incredibly complicated. There is layers and layers and layers of um, instruments being played and musical challenges. Most of the album is in 7-8, um, which Oof. is just a bit of an annoying time signature for any musician. Yeah. Um, but Tubular Bells for Two is like what said it's two people performing the entire thing on their own and like i said it's heaps of instruments yeah and there's like glockenspiel double speed guitar electric guitar um bass and at last tubular bells Um, right of place at the back of the stage is a beautiful set of tubular bells yes i look i just i love i i was nerding out so much and i dragged my partner there and walt along to this show um walt hadn't listened to the album before nope. going and was like watching my hands tap on my knees yeah. throughout the thing um i am a huge nerd for this album i highly recommend you all listen to it and if you are also nerds you might recognize that the very start of the album is actually l's theme from death note um, which is not how i found out about it but when i watched death note for the first time i was like ah, I just, it's tubular bells <laughs> um so yeah i if we've done a lot of music shout outs um yeah. on this podcast in the planeswalks uh please go check out tubular bells it's mm. 50th anniversary is this year um it was a really cool album. So I, good. again, went in completely blind and was blown away by the music itself, but also, like, the sheer theatre of them playing all the instruments right in front of you. No bells and whistles. It's just those two in the space with the instruments yeah, the doing way it they, for you. The way they do it is with loop pedals. Yeah. So they, they, they start playing, like, one instrument, like the piano, and then they click a loop pedal with their foot that loops that three or four, five bar sequence... Yeah. And then they run across stage to another instrument to play the guitar and loop that. And it layers and layers and Mm. layers and layers. And there's like a whistle at one point where he just like then doesn't need it for the rest of the show. So throws it over his shoulder. And it's funny. It's, it is just amazing. Check out the album Tubular Bells and imagine the raw talent that you would need to play everything on that album. Yeah. And it's definitely if you're in Victoria, um, give them a Google. I think they've got a few more shows left in the last couple of months. They've said that that was the last time they're performing it in Melbourne. Yeah. So I'm probably going to Geelong to, to yeah, see it one more time. Honestly, it's probably, it seems like one of the last chances you'll get to see this amazing group. They've been yeah. doing it for like 15, 20 years or something. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. And Mike Oldfield like supports supports them and has actively told them that they're insane for trying such a feat. (laughs) It's great. Um, Well, that's all we have time for. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players. Bye.